As always, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, and I try to give you shortcuts to understanding the big picture of what's really going on in the world, and you'll find, some to your surprise, some not, that everything that happens pretty well on a big scale in your life is planned long before you're born, and we're living in a script, basically a planned script, because those who control the world and always have done through economics always plan the future, otherwise it would get out of control, they'd lose control over it. So it's more intelligent simply to always make sure that you bring in the kind of future that you plan to bring in. You make it happen through law. And law is the key to everything. You can make anything lawful if you're at the top and you control law. Also look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks which are written in the various languages of Europe and you can print them up and pass them around to your friends. Uh, those who want to buy my books and discs, etc., can go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com website, and you'll see how to do it there. And you can also keep me going by donations because I don't ask for payment from any of the shows I've been on. The advertising you hear in the various shows is to do with paying for the, the, the radio station, their engineers, and all that kind of stuff. And that gives me a free hand, basically. It doesn't tie my hands when it comes to talking about certain topics. So it's up to you if you want to keep me going or not, and it is expensive. It is expensive to even do what I'm doing here, and it's awfully time-consuming, believe you me. If we were not living at this time in history, I wouldn't be doing it at all. It's not a pleasurable thing to do. It's a necessary thing to do for those who are looking for answers and who could spend years going round and round in circles from one false lead to the other, because there are many false leads purposely put out there to trap you and keep you spinning in circles for the rest of your life. That's how intricate this system truly is. It's all about control, and it's well-controlled, well-controlled. Those who get disburned and passed around to them because they're not on computer can write to me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, site 41, box 4, Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. And we are in a role, as I say, I don't even bother generally giving names to presidents or prime ministers because I've watched such a, so many through my life being put in to fulfill their role they were groomed to do before they were, the public even heard of them. Because there's only one agenda, and it doesn't matter which party gets in, the ones at the top are all belong to the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, etc. They're globalists. Professor Carl Quigley, who was a historian for the CFR, said that very thing in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, 
and his other book, The Anglo-American Establishment. Therefore, we have a parallel government, the one that Maggie Thatcher mentioned, Thatcher talked about a few times in different speeches, made up of ex-prime ministers, presidents, who all know each other, and high-level bureaucrats that we never even hear about generally, that they do most of the work, you see, and that they're not accountable to the public. They all know each other in this massive club, and they direct and run the future. They bring it into being because they are called technocrats now when they've left politics. They're given unlimited financing by the big foundations, and they can get the jobs done. That's how it really works in real life. And I'll be back with more of this after these messages. Through the Matrix, talking about how the future is always planned, and I read an article a couple of days ago uh, that linked Al Gore, Newt Gingrich, uh, the New Age guru who also uh, works with Gingrich, Alvin Toffler, and Mr. Satin or Satan, who also wrote the book New Age Politics, and how they use the term anticipatory democracy. That's what they're working for. But what it means is that the democracy they're bringing into being is nothing like the way you think democracy should mean. It's a particular version of authoritarian democracy where the experts and those who better know how to rule people should rule people and make them do what they think they should be made to do. That's what they call it, anticipatory democracy. In other words, it's not evolving from the people. It's being forced down from those on top. And all we've had, really, since the 90s, the mid-90s, is law after law across the world, in unison, which really took off in 2001 under the guise of terrorism, simultaneously across the planet, same anti-terrorism bills, same laws, same IDs, all the rest of the stuff that we're getting so used to, because that was really the kickoff. Uh, that was the gun going off at the race to get all this done. This is a century of change, remember. And they've been talking for centuries, centuries, in the, the high Masonic circles. And before that, the Rosicrucian circles about how those with reason should have the right to rule the lessers, those who are in the dark, those who are profane, which means that they're in the dark. They don't understand what's really going on. Ignorance, in other words. That's what it's all based on. And that is what I've, I've, I've read quotes from many of the big players in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s, right up to the present time, such as Lord Bertrand Russell. And you must read his books. You must read the Huxley's books as well, both Julian and Aldo Huxley, because they were all in on this big agenda, and they were rather open about it, including the depopulation, the forced sterilization they'd have to bring in, and all the rest of it. Their only problem done through time has been to convince the public to go along with it, and we have such a mass propaganda campaign underway, under the guise of terrorism, overpopulation, global warming, uh, pandemic threats, etc., 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 
to force us all along and succumb and give up all our rights and freedoms while they rummage ahead. They're foraging ahead, getting everything done that they want done. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. They're going after, of course, I've talked about this for years, the water supply of the world. And I talked about that just the other night in another article. And bingo, bingo, in the United States, up comes S-787. It's a bill to amend the Federal Water Pollution Control Act. This is, this is, it throws you right off. It's such doublespeak. The Federal Water Pollution Control Act to, to clarify the jurisdiction of the United States over waters of the United States. And you've got to scroll right down through the propaganda and the supposed reasons for it. And it says here, this act will treat as waters of the United States those features that were treated as such pursuant to the regulations of the Environmental Protection Agency and the Corps of Engineers in existence before the dates of the decisions referred to in paragraph 10, including all waters which are subject to the ebb and flow of tide, all interstate waters, including interstate wetlands, all other waters such as interstate lakes, rivers, streams, including intermittent streams, mudflats, saltflats, wetlands, sloughs, prairie potholes, wet meadows, playa lakes, or natural ponds. All impoundments of waters of the United States. All impoundments. Tributaries of the aforementioned waters, the territorial seas, and wetlands adjacent to the aforementioned waters. Groundwaters are treated separately from waters of the United States for purposes of the Federal Water Pollution Control Act and are not considered waters of the United States under this act. See, it's considered in another act. So they're going even for your groundwater if you have a shallow well. And then it goes on and on and on and on. No one reads these. The politicians, the SEALs, the trained SEALs who want to get the ladder just, just clap, you know, and cheer or boo, depends what side you're on. And that, that's the game that they play. They don't read these. They pass these massive bills and don't even go through them. So this is probably a done deal. And since it is politically correct to, for governments across the planet to take the waters away from the people and the right to it, obviously they're taking the, the food from the people. And then in the process, right with, now with the other bills to do with organic farming, they're taking that away from them as well. Well, now they're after the water. Standard warfare is to do with water and food. Heating, shelter, clothing, etc. They go for the basics time after time. And whatever I read tonight, I always put it up on cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, and I put the links up there. You can go in and read them for yourself. What a role! What a role we truly are in! It's it's astonishing what's happening in Britain, and this will happen across the world. Since we're at a time, you see, of crisis creation, and I always say that they train the young first for the system they're going to grow up in thinking it's normal. A generation have already left school, being searched, going through metal detectors and so on, and going through the ID, some of them even going through iris scans for their lunches. So they think all this is quite natural. That tells you the world is planned for them to grow up in, but they'll think it's all natural, and they already do. Here's from the Mail Online. Uh, it says here, pupils starting secondary school to be given panic alarms to prevent robbery and attacks at school. This is May the 8th, 2009. Panic alarms are being handed out to children to prevent them being attacked on their first day of secondary school. What happened to society? 
You know what happened to society? Well, you see, a long time ago, the big boys who own the, cu- the culture creation industry decided they had to destroy the existing cultures of each country. They wondered how to do it. They were very good at dividing and conquering. They'd used religion and other techniques for that in previous times. But they, they brought in divergent groups from all over the planet. At the same time, they destroyed the existing religions of the original countries, the home countries that were people flooding into. And they knew that, the, that those who would hold out to hold on to their culture and their nationalism would be the first world countries. Therefore, they were to get flooded with massive immigration from the most diverse countries. They knew themselves that to keep people coming in and keeping everything going along smoothly, you could only let people trickle in at a time from diverse countries until they were absorbed by the population and they grew up generally adopting all the cultural principles, etc. But when they were allowed to come in en masse, they thought it would literally overrule the existing country's culture and it also give, we helped put laws to tell those people coming in to keep their cultures. And I knew 30-odd years ago they were doing this, and I knew they were setting up a chessboard for the world to take the entire planet down, because one day I knew they would have to invade those particular countries, especially for oil and so on. That's how it was done. And it's been massive, massive friction as massive groups of people came into different countries across Europe. France had giant burnings going on. Britain had various different riots going on too. They've all had them. Because to get totalitarian laws passed across the planet, every country must appear to be in turmoil. And the best way to do it is to literally destroy, eradicate the cultures and the old religions which could have held them together, even those religions themselves were abusive at times as well. Going into the new system, it had to use fear and crisis now that it had all this stuff going on. You see? And now everyone looks at everyone else of a different color and they're, and they're suspicious of them. Are they a terrorist? Are they a terrorist? Etc. Etc. So they can do all this nonsense under the guise of terrorism. Long-term Fabian strategy. They work intergenerationally, sometimes a hundred years ahead is planned, sometimes more. That's what the Bilderbergers do. They build the mountain, the berg, the big builders. They're always building mountains. And it's the mountain of the future. It's always the one in the distance. The mountain of the future. So here they are giving secondary school students panic alarms now to prevent robbery and attacks. That's what's happened to the culture. You've got gangs everywhere across Europe. And each group sticks to their own kinds. And it's been encouraged for years and years and years of, from propaganda. It's been encouraged. Plus, the, they've been brought up in nothing but violent movies and blood and guts and winners and losers. That's what they've been brought up on. It says here, panic alarms are given as, as they're given these to children to prevent them being attacked on their first day of secondary school. Hundreds of 11-year-olds will be given the high-pitched alarms that produce a screeching 130 decibel noise before they leave primary school at the end of this year's summer term. The police and council-funded scheme, or funded scheme, is aimed at preventing children being robbed of their mobile phones, their money, and personal music players, etc., etc. 
Critics say the move will have a reverse effect and actually increase the nervousness felt by children moving from their primary schools and starting year seven. Well, yeah. They're going to think, by God, what am I going into? So the cops are involved as well, always. And the cops, you see, the cops now are in the process of training the public. That's really their job now is to, to, to issue as many tickets and charges as they can and to train the public. That's their job. To obey. The Metropolitan Police and the Westminster Council in London has paid thousands of pounds. It's the reason they have all that money in a recession, eh? or a depression. For 1,500 pocket-sized devices to be made available before the borough's 10 secondary schools begin the autumn term. Back in a moment with more after these messages. I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, discussing how long-term projects are set up. They knew 30 years ago, and they were saying at the time, the same people who were on about we need to depopulate, were running the show in Britain and across Europe and across the world at the same time. And while they're saying one thing, they're opening the floodgates to immigration on the other. It seemed contradictory, and to realize the purpose that they had up their sleeve. And it was to cause conflict down the road. And again, get every group fighting every other group. They're very, very good at that. It's very interesting, too, that even the little documentaries made in Canada by the CBC will show you that the informers, generally on the Islamic groups, whom they claim are terrorists or may be involved, etc., are actually Islamic citizens or people themselves. They hire every ethnic group. And they set up sting operations where they actually encourage terrorism and young guys join, they fall for it, and then they're left holding the baby at the end, their patsies. Standard procedure. Every ethnic group has been infiltrated, and it's led, they're led across Europe and the Americas by people of their own ethnic groups and culture, employed by the CIA or CSIS in Canada or MI5 in Britain. So all you young people out there, be very, very wary because their whole eye, the whole reason this is all set up is to set up sting operations. Don't fall for it. Especially the ones who are always ultra-radical. That's a setup to draw you in. And they must get this kind of thing so they can point fingers and say, see, there really are terrorists amongst you. Now, I've read years ago from the founder of the Boy Scouts and various other organizations who talked about setting up our youth culture disciplined, a uniformed youth culture for a world culture back at the beginning of the 1900s. And even looking at old documentaries on, on the Soviet system with the Young Communist League, their uniform types on, and then Nazi Germany with their uniforms on for the Hitler Youth, uh, whenever you see the system that you live in, civilian system, being militarized, you know you're under tyranny. It doesn't take a genius to recognize this. But what's cops come into the schools now for years, wearing their guns too and giving lectures to children. Authority figures training them to be, obey authority. And here in, Brit in Britain, actually, and in the British Commonwealth countries, They've been bringing in soldiers 
and give them education as teachers and bring them into school. And I've read articles from Mr. Perry and others about this. Here is uh, an article from the Mail Online, and it says, Right then, fall into line, you horrible little pupils. Government wants the military to run state schools. 8th of May, 2009. The armed forces will be drafted in to run state schools under plans to drive up discipline and respect in classrooms. Now remember, this is from the, the same long-term strategy where they said, they said a long time ago, they, they would destroy the parent-child relationship. They would destroy the family units. Now they're bringing in authority figures that represent the state. It's as obvious as can be. As ministers are in talks with defense chiefs about taking over a handful, as a start, remember, a handful of schools they always introduce like a trial balloon to see what effect it has on the public. Generally, there's no reaction at all. And turning them into military academies. Alongside daily lessons, pupils would be expected to take part in activities such as drills, uniform parades, they love uniformity, weapons handling, and adventure training. The first state schools set to gain military academy status are understood to be based in Portsmouth and Colchester. The controversial scheme will initially be in areas where there are a large number of military families, but is set to be rolled out across the country. See? Across the country. Ministers believe that children failing schools would particularly benefit from a military-style education because it would give them role models and a more structured existence. Ho, ho, ho. Where have we heard that before down through history? So the plan is likely to raise fears amongst teachers' union, unions uh, that the academies could turn into tough boot camps or recruiting stations. Last year, union leaders accused the army of giving children misleading propaganda about life in the armed forces. Well, of course it is. Of course it must be. They never tell you you might be killed. So is someone else. That's why young people join it. I, I can't die. I'm immortal. I'm young. So, there you go. Now, Britain, remember, is a prototype for the rest of the world to follow. And you wait and see. It won't be long. They've already got mandatory volunteerism, remember, in Britain now. Canada is coming in with it. And the U.S. is coming in with it. Too. This is no coincidence. This is a a structured world society where you're going to have a totalitarian regime run the citizens' lives. And if we are better to get the brainwashed totalitarians at the bottom, then they train them in school and then give them a uniform at the end of it. Very simple. Very, very simple stuff. Been done all before. Done before. And we find, too, that there's so much happening in the internet world as they take over more and more of the rights of the average person as they invade your privacy, etc. And from the Euro Observer, the EU wants internet G12 to govern cyberspace. And we talk about this after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix just pointing out the obvious really people who perhaps don't think too deeply because most folk don't they all watch the propaganda movies and the television series the dramas the fiction and they think that the black clad guys are always good and the military is always good is there to protect you you know the reason that the founding fathers of the US uh, debated about having a standing army was because the history of Europe was that the standing army was always turned on the public. Nothing changes. This article here is from an EU paper. It says the EU wants Internet G12 to govern cyberspace. The European Commission wants the US to dissolve all government links with the body that governs the Internet, replacing it with an international forum for discussing Internet governance, you hear that term all the time now, and online security. The rules and decisions on key internet government or governance issues such as the creation of top-level domains, such as COM and EU, and managing the internet address system that ensures computers can connect to each other, are currently made by the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. You'll find that if you have a firewall, these people hit you all the time, this ICAN. And I can. It's called, it's, they say here it's a private, not for profit corporation based in California, right? Sure, sure. Which operates under an agreement with the U.S. Department of Commerce. And it says decisions made by ICANN affect the way the Internet works all around the world. The EU Information Society Commissioner Vivian Redding on Monday suggested a new model for overseeing the Internet from October this year when the Commerce Department of the U.S. agreement runs out. She called on U.S. President Barack Obama to fully privatize ICANN and set up an independent judicial body, a judicial body described as a G12 for Internet governance, which is described as a multilateral forum for governments, for governments, not for you and I, to discuss general Internet governance policy and security issues. You understand they're going, to, they're going to bring it all down under the guise of security. I trust that President Obama will have the courage, the wisdom, and respect for the global nature of the Internet to pave the way in September for a new, more accountable, more transparent, more democratic, and more multilateral form of Internet governance. Ha, 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 she said via a video message posted on her commission website. Expire. The expiry of the agreement between ICANN and the U.S. government opens the door for the full privatization of ICANN, well, the CIA on it, and the NSA. And it also raises concern of whom ICANN should be accountable to, she said. In the long run, it's not defendable that the government department of only one country has oversight of an Internet function, which is used by hundreds of millions of people in countries all over the world. And I'll tell you, when they set up this new one, which I'm sure has already been set up, because they always do things way ahead of time. Because they make the agenda and they make it happen. Uh, you can guarantee it'll be the NSA that'll run it. And they'll also have the, the top political correct activists and the top wanting various sites pulled down just like that. That's going to be part of it too. Guarantee you. You wait and see. Everything you know is very predictable. All you have to do is read the articles that get poured, churned out of the big foundations always tells you where you're going in life. And I'll take this Derek from Philly on the telephone. I'll see if he's there. Are you there, Derek? Hey, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. 
Good to speak to you again. Uh, I wanted to mention a few things. You're always talking about so many different subjects, and <laughs> it's hard to even uh, remember all of them sometimes, so I always write something down. But uh, I remember last time I called, we were talking about Plato, and uh, I said something along the lines of uh, Plato, basically the writings are good to read. Yeah. And uh, I, I was talking about that. You were actually right. Uh, I had only read summaries, basically, and uh, quotations of some of his works. Mm-hmm. which they, they only really outlined the, the nice parts, you know. But yeah. I actually went and read it, you know, the, some of the full text. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it really reeks of the, the elite, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, Plato was a, a fascist of his day, yeah. Mm. Well, I'm not so sure about Plato himself. I, you know. I, oh, I mean, he said it. He says, we are the aristocracy. We have the right to rule the letters. Yeah. Well, maybe he, you know, it was such a long time ago, and you know how deceptive the elite are use anything against people, even, you know, representatives of the people. A long time ago, they might use as their own representatives. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. And yeah. Kind of, uh, but he also yeah. gave outlines, which was interesting, too. He, he went through all this stuff about virtue, 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 which mm-hmm. the Masons all still use today. And, of course, they got the big boost when they created the first big society um, at Alexandria, the Neoplatonic Society. Yes. Yes. Uh, he said at the very end of it, he says, there's no such thing as virtue, only the appearance of virtue is important. He said the same thing with justice. He mm-hmm. says justice really doesn't exist, but, but what's important is the appearance of justice. So he was giving guidelines for those who, who rule and who would rule in the future, what to follow. And it's true enough that the people think people are being uh, sincere and virtuous, as you call it. We truly believe them. All they do now is put on a, a business suit and smile, and, and suddenly they're respectable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's, you know, coming out both sides of their mouth, everything they say. Yes. But I also wanted to mention, well, actually, before that, uh, uh, hold on one second. Hi, uh, I'm busy right now. Sorry, I was just greeting my father. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Alexandria and the Neoplatonists. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I was thinking about them, and... Uh, they seem to me like they were the ones who really uh, maybe wrote all of what we think now are Plato's original works. What do you think about that? Well, they certainly revamped them. Uh, yeah. We know that a lot of Plato's works were already out there. In fact, the West got its works really through uh, the Arabic countries. Before, In fact, it wasn't, it wasn't for the Arabic countries. You would have no Plato and even Aristotle, too. Uh, the Arabic countries were centers of learning long before the Western world and Europe had heard of them. Well, so they, they, were, they were definitely original writings there, um, but the Neoplatonists, of course, were uh, they came out of a, a, a various group of sects or, of, or Gnostic groups, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, their whole idea was to use reason and logic, and they claimed that human emotion was a detriment to the society that they could govern. And so the, the ones who were recruited into the Neoplatonic system uh, had to abandon it and train themselves to be basically unemotional and logical people uh, to rule. And they were set out into the world to infiltrate literally uh, by subversion and stealth over a period of time and cause revolutions. It's a very interesting thing that they came out of there uh, heading off for revolutions. Uh, but uh, you go back even further than that, and if you find that Pythagoras, long before that, hundreds of years before that, um, had been sent from Greece, and he was trained in Egypt like all the aristocracy were, and um, Pythagoras then went off to set up his own school, that's what they traditionally did, they sent, went to Crotona, which was a, 
part of the empire of Greece at that time. It was really in Italy. And he, he, um, his school was burned down because he did the same thing as the later Socrates, who belonged to the same organization, did. He was bringing in the youth, training them for revolution against their parents and uh, the old system, the old authority. And he was also training girls to go in so they'd be very good wives, uh, very intelligent, very well-educated wives for nobility, and then were taught to subvert their husbands' policies, etc. So they were already doing this revolutionary thing before the, the Alexandrian Platonic movement uh, took up arms. They were a continuation and an upgrade of it, where they really formalized it into a, a real system of logic and reason, as they say. Yeah. Very interesting. You have a very uh, unique take on it that no one else has, and it's very interesting to listen to. Uh, I also wanted to mention about, of course, you know, these iPods, which have been pushed on us, basically. I actually bought one a long time ago, and it was it was one of the newer ones, and uh, it, it it has a weird sound, almost, like an inaudible sound, like a low vibration sound, almost, uh-huh. and it's very odd, and I wonder if anyone else has, has heard this or felt it almost it's almost like a like it your brain feels like it's getting numb almost when you listen to an ipod i thought that was very interesting since you know it was obviously pushed on us it was pushed on us i well we'll see if anybody else calls in on it maybe perhaps they know what it is but right. uh, i would be surprised if the whatever they've given us believe you me is not for our benefit um yeah and they've already admitted that with different things like tracking etc etc but yeah. uh it's interesting, yeah, to see if there's a particular frequency there and how it would affect the, the human brain, yeah. Mm. It's not off the wall because Microsoft's already admitted that they've got uh, new computers coming out where around the screen is that there's an antenna and you won't need a helmet. The thing can literally massage your brain, they call it massaging your brain. Um, yeah. And um, it's to make it more interactive. It will sense the emotions, what part of your brain is working, and, and, and also... Um, it returns from your brain to the computer and obviously to someone at the other end of it. <laughs> but why not do it with iPods too? Well, it's just so weird. The iPods, and, you know, they're, they're incorporating the phone into the iPod, and now they have those earpieces yeah. that people wear, which are, I was thinking, you know, that's probably going to be the first real step before the brain chips. You know, it is. It is. Everything gets compact, smaller and smaller, until it's, it's too ridiculous, it's too small, and then it's a simple matter of going with the chip, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's almost already, you know, I'm sure they could send signals right into your brain when you're wearing one of those little earpieces that they made fashionable almost now. Yes, they could literally give you, I mean, you already have the structure to hear and see inside your head. And they could literally stimulate the auditory system or, or the, the visual cortex. And you'll, you'll, you'll see the picture in your head, you'll hear the music in stereo. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Well, I just wanted to mention one more thing before I hang up. Um, you don't really talk about fluoride very often, and I'm sure you're very knowledgeable about it. Have you, uh, I just would like to hear anything you have to say about it, particularly about, I read, I don't remember particularly where, but uh, something about your pineal gland in your brain, and I'm sure you've heard about the pineal gland and how it affects that. So uh, I'll hang up now. It's great talking to you. Next time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've done some articles on fluoride because, and it's endless. The fluoride thing is endless with the, the, the studies that were done prior to, well, right after World War I, leading through World War II. And we know that totalitarian countries used it in their drinking supplies 
for the purpose, and they wrote about it for the purpose of basically making the people more compliant. That was an effect of it. There's also the guy in Canada, a dentist, who championed fluoride at first. He was the one who gave it so much propaganda, they rammed it through. And then now he's come out against it because he sees the effects of it physically and mentally on the people. Uh, so he was fooled and he admits it himself. Um, but it won't matter because they're, they're talking about putting lithium in our water supply now to make us uh, less depressed as we go through these depressing times, because all happy, right along the lines of, again, Aldo Huxley, etc., who advocated uh, drugging the people by various means. And um, we find that other writers uh, of his same area were talking about the same thing. The only problems they had, like Kessler, after Kessler talked about it, he worked at the United Nations on ways to literally lobotomize the human brain by different means. And he said, we have the means to do it chemically if we can just put it in their water or put it in their food or inject them. And lo and behold, we have all of that going on. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's, a, it's an awful, awful thing. Apart from that, fluoride is, is highly toxic. If you read it on the toothpaste, I'll tell you, don't go over this amount of toothpaste per day. If you're sitting here drinking your water as well, well, you're already over the limits. And some of them will have uh, some um, statistics on it and, and uh, limits of how much intake there should be. Over the limit, you're supposed to call, call the poison center. And you peep, they're putting in everything. So they just double speak right away, you see. It's for control. There's no, 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 no ifs and buts about it. Plus, it was the first mandatory, mandatory thing they made us take. We're given no sort of choice in the matter. Once you accept one thing that's mandatory, the next one is easy to push on the public. So the, it's like the old Pantheon building. You had all those pillars holding up the roof. If you knock one pillar down, that puts extra strain on all the rest. And it's easier to knock the second and third and fourth ones down. That's why you can never compromise with these guys on anything or it's game over. And we've compromised already. We have half the pillars holding up the roof. And they're on a roll now. Uh, now, there's, um, there's Karen from Oregon there. Are you there, Karen? Hi, Alan. Yes, I am. Yes. First of all, I want to thank you for all the research you do and all the time you put into it because I wonder if you have any life at all with all the knowledge that you are constantly accumulating. There's not much of a life, I must admit. <laughs> I want to encourage you <laughs> to have some fun. Yes, uh, yes, there's no doubt about it. As I say, that it, things are coming so rapidly now that uh, it's almost impossible to have fun, especially when you try and look to a future which you know is coming in and now it's being admitted to of a totalitarian system where literally you'll be unable to plan a future for yourself because the state will do it for you from school to work, etc., etc. Uh, that's all part of it. I know, I know, and I have a, a battle with myself always about trying to keep a high energy up, but I, I believe that we can change it. I believe that when individually we recognize our own sovereignty and begin to be positive and loving and take steps, that we can. And mm -hmm. I actually have an action plan that I would like to talk about for a second, if that's yes, all right. Well, yeah, sure. All right. Um, I have a, a website. Is it okay to mention a website? Yeah, go ahead. All right, taxfree15.com. And it is a movement that's a consumer boycott and a congressional call-in that started on the 15th of April that will go on to the 15th of every month and roll over as hopefully we gain numbers 
And the consumer boycott part is don't buy, don't comply, and ask why. So we're trying to ask people not to go shopping on that day to any great big corporations, to just try and plan ahead. And I realize that um, we need people in massive numbers to actually make any kind of effect at all. But if people start to get the idea of withholding their dollars and their taxes from all the taxes that are just included when we make purchases and they don't buy anything on the 15th, and then if they pick up their phone and they call their Congress and they say, Look, at, I'm, I'm not buying anything today, and this is why. I, I want to know why Congress isn't printing and coining money, our money, without interest and without debt. Yeah. Or I want to know why fluoride is in my water. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And to start giving people a way of peaceful, proactive, um, noncompliance in a sense, because it would be great, too, if people finally reached the point where not only do they call, but they take their money out of the bank on the 15th. They get hard assets. They start realizing that what's important to us is really clean air, clean water, shelter, healthy food, and just being self-sustaining. You know, we've been low. Yeah, into... which, is, which is the opposite, you see, the exact opposite of what they've planned. But you're, you're right. Um, it's amazing that the people knew the power that they had. And if you could get, get them uh, to help each other and go along with the same uh, kind of idea, uh, we could stop the country. You could literally stop the country and not buy gasoline for a day. And you watch it plummet. That's It'll plummet all right. I believe that. And, and it's that... the same with any, any other thing. But hold on and we'll come back after this break. Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking to Karen from Oregon about ways that the people could use what little power they've still got left in a peaceable way to try and alter the direction, the course that we're on. And um, it's true enough that people individually even uh, boycotted certain things. It was true, the incredible amount of taxes on every item you purchase, you have no idea. And sometimes they'll publish it in Canada. And you're paying 40, 50% taxes on everything that you buy up here. And there's hidden taxes and everything. Gasoline would be one, two-thirds less up in Canada if it wasn't for government taxes. And we have the power of the purse at the moment to at least stall them and make them start to consider our opinions or even humor us if possible. But that's really all that we've got left to do because the other course is violence. And people will become violent as predicted by the think tanks for the military as they step up this agenda starting around the year 2010. Well, I think that they, they will, Alan, but I also think that we have more power than we realize and that basically with the big picture, it's all about controlling our power and our energy. And if they can keep us in fear, mm-hmm. they can keep us from realizing just how powerful we can be if we're not always worried about how to pay the rent and getting That's our right. kids vaccinated and this phony. And uh, isn't it wonderful that they call it the swine flu because they think we're such pigs? Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's very obvious that. It's, it's an, an insult, complete insult to the public. But, I, I, but that, that's the thing with the public. The public have to, again, in history, and they know this at the top, too, it's only about 3% of the public 
who are active who really change anything. Uh, the rest of them, honestly, will tell you, I don't want to know because they're afraid of having the eyes of government focused on them. And they will go. In fact, what they'll tell you is, I don't want to know this. I'm good. I obey the laws. Which, what they're telling you is, whatever laws come down, I will keep obeying. I'll bow down to the ground uh, as, as long as they leave me alone. And that's the problem. Because um, most folk, will, especially those who are still working at a fair income, they will go along to get along. And see, not every class is hit the same way at the same time. That's always been the problem. If it was, you'd have more cohesiveness amongst them and workability to get things done. So the big boys understand how to divide and conquer. But you're quite right. On an individual level, absolutely, um, people can stand together in their own little ways, but accumulatively across a country, that can really be a big force. That's what I'm trying to help happen and to give people an option as opposed to violence. Because when, mm-hmm. when somebody, I mean, if we're talking about pigs, let's bring up Henry Kissinger, mm-hmm. yep. who says, you know, military are just dumb, stupid animals to be used in foreign policy. That's right. And so anybody who signs up in the military or the police department, in my opinion, should really start to think about that and take to heart the fact that Kissinger is up there now mm-hmm. calling a lot of the shots. And why should we lay down our lives mm-hmm. for someone who thinks of us as just that? Yes. And government should be a whisper in the background of our lives instead that, that's of right. commanding Absolutely. presence in the foreground, shoving rules down our throat. Yeah, yeah, I know by by force and. Again, they've trained, see, they have trained a couple of generations to accept this. That's, that's a problem. They have, and they, well, they have. They've, they've come to forget what individuality and freedoms are and have been taught to obey, mainly, again, through all the fictional shows they watch on television. But, but yet, individually, those who are awake can do something about it, and they should. I remember, and you remember, and hopefully people will go to taxfree15.com and help us all remember. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. And that's the end of the show already. An hour just flies by and had a lot more to, to read as well. But go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com website for the links. But from Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.